What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Yes, and welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. Talking Texas Rangers baseball postmortem. The end of the 2017 season wrapped up over the weekend. We record this on a Tuesday morning as the playoffs get underway, but for the first time in a while, the Rangers not playing past 162, uh, 78 and 84, fourth in the American League West. We have Evan Grant, the beat writer of the Rangers, in studio with us, along with Kevin Sherrington, Barry Horn, hanging out with you, talking some baseball this afternoon, and boy, uh, disappointing season, a season where they can never quite get a foothold, and I think a lot of the warts just sort of never went away throughout the duration of 2017. You know, before you just mentioned, we're about to go into the postseason, and before we get into the Rangers, I need to offer up some congratulations here, okay? Kevin Sherrington, of our seven selectors in the preseason, had six of the eight playoff teams identified correctly. If he had the Twins, I'll right? be impressed. He did not have the okay, Twins. He well, had I'm all not three, impressed. He had all three AL division winners, Houston, Cleveland, and Boston. He had the Rangers and Seattle, who were both in the wild card race as the two wild card teams. Kind of missed on your NL West winner with San Francisco. God, um, <laughs> and then you had the Cubs in Washington. You had the Dodgers making the playoffs as a wild card team and the Mets as a wild card so, Kevin, we should pay attention to the fact that you predict a who did you predict against uh, in that box? I'm sorry, I, I was I, I had it wrong. Um, <laughs> He's going to kill you now. Oh. No, Kevin still got Kevin. You had Boston and the Dodgers in the World Series. Still going to happen. That's your World sure. Series prediction, and you have Boston winning the World Series. You you comfortable with that still? Yes, I am. Okay, and you, I had you, Darvish, is going to drag down that, uh, that Dodgers team. <laughs> I had the Dodgers in Boston also in the World Series <laughs> with really? the Dodgers winning. So should we make a bet on that? Let's make it. Well, let's let's see if they get there first. No, let's go with it now. All right, if either one of our teams wins, yes, okay. you'll buy me lunch. Oh, boy, the stakes no, are high. No, no, no. Boy, I think it should be like a, go to your go to your boy's place. Okay, we'll go to my boy's place. We'll go to Neighborhood Services or Town Hearth. One of the okay. two. Man, sounds good. Um, we are approaching lunchtime, by the way. Yeah, uh, I would like to also point out that only one of the, uh, I believe, only one of the seven oh. people who predicted um, in this prediction box has their World Series champion already eliminated. Anybody want to take a guess who I, that would be? I think he's going to jump on Jerry Fraley. I'll say Kalisha. Kevin. Yeah. Very smart. Apparently, the San Francisco Giants will not be winning the World <laughs> Series this year. However, they will be picking, I think, second next year in the draft. Congratulations to him. <laughs> well, this is kind of the Giants' MO, though. They do this. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's an odd year. I don't know. They're say, an even-year team. Yeah, why pick an, the Giants on an odd year? I, I, I don't get that. All right, let's get the Rangers, Okay, Sean. so 
we did this on our final Diamond Talk, the tickets postgame show of the Rangers the other night, and we talked about the things that will stick with us the most. There was a lot of talk about individual performances, Beltre's 3,000. I want to look big picture, though. To me, the thing that will irk me the most about this season, especially with the mediocrity in the second wild card, or really the wild card race in general this year, the fact this bullpen blew so many saves early this season in the first half. Sam Dyson was just a disaster. Then he writes himself late in the year with San Francisco. You look back at all of those losses, even if you save half of those games, we are having a totally different conversation right now. We're possibly talking about a playoff team. We're talking about a club that maybe didn't trade their ace away in you, Darvish. It just goes to the old adage, you can't win a division or a postseason spot early in the year, but you sure as hell can lose one, and that's exactly what happened in 2017. The bullpen in the first half was the single biggest reason the Rangers were not a serious contender and that they didn't keep Darvish and didn't add at the deadline. Uh, But if you're talking about the one thing that will stick most with me this year— it's Rugnet Odor. I got to agree with that. Um, okay. I hate to do that That's because fair. the bullpen, the bullpen was so trans, uh, transient, and there were so many different faces. And yes, it was one big issue. But Odor's performance for a guy to play 162 games, post the worst on base percentage, uh, adjusted for park factors sure. and, and era. Of all time, and also the bullpen has been overcome in, the, in years past with bad starts, and they've righted themselves. Right. And you're right, Odor was a constant. But, but, from and, stem and, to stem. and Odor, and we're talking into, about Odor, we're talking long, long term. We're talking, we're next talking year, long term we're talking in the future. And Odor went into the last weekend of the season in an 0 for 23. Mm-hmm. So he did right himself on Saturday with with a three hit game, um, but it's a big issue, and it's a big issue going forward. The bullpen is a big issue going forward too. The one thing that sticks with me is this is a guy who played 162 games. He's a part of the club's future. He's a core player. I don't think he's going anywhere, but he's got some serious, serious work to do. How long will they ride Odor before that somebody, if he doesn't improve? How, how much time do you give him? He's 23, correct? I understand. He's 23. I, so 25. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as seriously. it's the same thing as Elvis, right? Elvis wasn't living up to his contract when he first got it. And Elvis's contract was a much, much bigger contract, more market value than Odor's is. It was, yeah. and and but they yes, it wasn't much longer. But the thing with Elvis, though, at that point in he time, had, he had he had a little track record. He had track record. He was an all star a few yeah. times. It's not so much the track record too. He signed that contract in in 13, and they went into 13. With with a still strong team, and they won ninety games. And fourteen, they were disappointing. And they they did try and look at options about what they could do with Elvis going into fifteen. But he made significant adjustments over the second half of fifteen, and has been a really good player ever since. He did that at the age of about twenty seven. And you know, you may have to live with another year of Odor having to go. The the thing that we need to see as observers is the adjustment process. What I did not see this year was anything that represented even a long-term attempt at an adjustment. And I feel like, you know, that 0 for 23 that I just mentioned, Sean, mm-hmm. that took place after the grand slam that he hit in Seattle. Right. And I felt like almost every time Ruge hit a home run, particularly a big home run, a long slump followed. He's just swinging for the fences after and that? That would be saying? my... The, Without a whole lot of data or anything, and just the raw numbers of results, that would be my assumption. And look at the quotes he gave Jerry Fraley last week. Fraley was, uh, I don't know if you were you were there or not, but Fraley wrote a, a piece and actually put out some tweets. He talked about Ruggie, uh, you know, about his approach, and basically Ruggie said, I'm not worried about walks or strikeouts. I'm up there trying to be a hitter. If he simply goes forward with that approach and doesn't listen to critics or 
a hitting coach or somebody gets into his ear, you're going to have another disastrous 2018, and that's going to hamper this young core and any chance of competing next year. No I'll, get, what, back, I'll no matter, get back to that. No matter what go, they do with the starting pitch. I, I want to address well, that, but go ahead, Barry. Was 2016 a mirage? How many one-run games did they win in 2016? 36 and 11. 36 and 11. Was, yeah, was, I mean, was that – was that something they could never live up to? See, this this is my issue with this team, and you're making judgments about it. When they when they sit down and have all these discussions, they can't discuss just this year. This is to me, this is a two year process because they won all those games last year that they shouldn't have won, and and I think that came back to bite them a little bit. They need to take a much broader perspective on this, and and one of those things that they have done and, and not done well, frankly, is that is that the idea that okay, this guy's going to be our closer this year. And we're going to go on the cheap, and we're going. Well, to, I, I mean, you are you are on record long term as that they need to spend money, get an established closer in here, and go that route. And I, I think they may this year they may certainly lean in that direction with this one caveat: it ain't a great market no, for established closer. No, absolutely, and I and I get that, but that but that was one of the issues too with, with Sam Dyson. Listen, when they let Sam Dyson go, uh, and and they said this, and I said this. He's going to turn this around. He's not. He's not a closer because he's not a strikeout pitcher, but he's a very valuable piece in a bullpen. But now you go back and look at his strikeout numbers in fifteen and sixteen, and they were, they were not the they, kind. They of, were passable. They were passable for a closer. They, were they weren't. They weren't double figures. But they weren't ten, 10 per nine. Well, innings. that's this is what I want to ask you though. Uh-huh. So whose decision was it to get rid of him? I think that that decision ultimately was. Uh, I, I don't want to say unanimous, but I, I think that both Bannister, Burkale, and John Daniels all agreed with it because here's what I think. I think there was more involved at that point in time. And, and I think that, listen, the Rangers got Sam Dyson for absolutely nothing from Miami, and it wasn't just because of brilliant evaluation. Don't call Tomas Talese nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you're forgetting Cody Eji too. That's true. Um, but... They're big time in us, Kevin. Yeah, Cody E.G. Let, let's drop names. They're name dropping us. The uh, he was not necessarily a um, incredibly popular figure in the Marlins clubhouse. He's a blunt, kind of awkward speaker in a lot of ways. Um, that can play against you when things aren't. It, it's very endearing when things are going well. It's not so endearing when they're not. He, I think, Sam got obsessed with closer numbers. And he looked up and saw that ERA after that first game that it was always 10 or above. And I think for him to really rebound, he was going to have to go to a National League club where he could come in. The scoreboard would show brand new set of numbers since stats reset when you change leagues. And that he wouldn't have to have that burden of trying to improve an ERA that was really bad. So I think there were a lot of mental aspects. And I think the Rangers even said – when they traded him, and we still don't know what the return is. I expect that that will be resolved in, in a couple of days. But even they said at that point in time, they expect Sam to rebound from this, that it was truly a case of a guy who had just kind of worn out his welcome and hadn't responded to anything that the team had had kind of tried to do. So we've talked about the two guys that have harpooned the season. Well, well there are more. There, there are more, but to me, those are the two that just leap out. And and we've talked about the two guys that harpooned this season, or, or the two oh. situations that have harpooned this season. Mm-hmm. We haven't even gotten into what the biggest issue for 2017-18 well, is. That's starting pitching. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Mike Napoli didn't wasn't what they thought he would be. They were counting on more than what they got from him. Absolutely. 
Lucroy. We, 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 he, Lucroy was Washington. a giant disappointment. He, he, so let me go. So let's go back so here the, because of the Napoli thing. So it was a mistake to let uh, to let Mitch Moreland go. His numbers weren't great in Boston, but they were okay. What did he make? Six million with Boston. Yeah, he made six million with Boston. I think that's what Napoli made with the Rangers. Yeah. Um, but he'll with with the option buyout, it'll be a little bit more than that. Um, Napoli helped Gallo become more of an everyday player here, though. I mean, if if you had Mitch Moreland up with your club this year, there's a good chance that Joey Gallo doesn't have the 41 homer season and really establishes his, himself as a big leaguer. There's a real good chance that that's true. He's more and, of a part time I mean, player. Let's let's, let's so by having a really bad player, it was a good thing. No, well, let's maybe, also well, face yeah, that's maybe long term. Yeah, but let's also look at this, Kevin. I mean, but if we're talking about what this team did wrong this year, but let's talk about one thing that you mentioned last week when you were out at the ballpark. For, for a game a eating giant amounts of kettle corn, it was wasn't making it? a huge mess in the press box. They still haven't cleaned that. that. If they had Mitch Moreland, that's yet another left-handed hitter to try right. and shoot into this lineup. And True. I think that they even realized that they needed a right. It's not going. He's not going to help the team much more. I'm just. I'm. I guess what I'm. The point I'm trying to make is that some bad decisions were made. I think. I, sure. I think that was a risk worth taking. I don't think that Napoli's defense at first base was was all that bad. Um, I, the year prior, Moreland had won the Gold Glove, but Napoli had been an above-average defender. I think that that's an evaluation that you say, okay, if we get the same, yes, Moreland had a more successful season. He also had the green monster that he could go the opposite way and, and kind of play pepper with and did that very well in the first half. Didn't do that very well. Napoli in the was half. also a reactionary move to missing on Encarnacion. If they had yeah. spent the money and got Edwin Encarnacion, well, not, you're talking I, I, about a different dynamic of the offense because he won't waste bats like so many did, like Napoli, like Odor. I think I think they, Go, I think Gomez took a step back offensively too this yeah, year. Reactionary, well, sure. reactionary in this regard. They were they they weren't proactive on Encarnacion. They waited and they waited and they said, "Okay, we we think that there's no market for him. He's going to fall to us." But they were still and, a finalist for the guy, right? right. Like, but, but Cleveland, Cleveland gave him Cleveland gave him the years and the money that Texas wasn't going to go go to. And when they did that, then they were left with either you go Napoli or you try and find somebody else out there. And so they tried to extend the window with Napoli. It just never – he never really got on track. And we were so see. worried that, oh, you got to get Napoli. Somebody's got to hit home runs. And what happens? They, they're like, what, second in home runs in the yeah, American League? And, yeah, they and, and the, Napoli was a part-time player late in the year. They, you know? the, for the fourth time in Rangers history, they hit more than 230 home runs. And I think all four of those seasons, they finished under 500. Wow. I, I just I – just, I don't want to harp on this, but I think we're giving Lucro, the Lucroy experiment a, a, a pass here. Uh, because they thought they, oh, they thought they thought they Don't were getting screen. an everyday catcher. They thought they were getting an everyday catcher. I'll put my my NPR voice on. Yeah, okay? try that. They thought they were getting an everyday catcher, and for, they, for years to come. And well, and, f- at least for this year. And I think and, Jonathan, and I think Jonathan really didn't respond well to that situation either. And I don't know how you evaluate that situation. He was a great guy. Oh yeah, uh, and a great addition for the last two months of the season last year in in, in, six, in sixteen. I think he had hoped that by coming to Texas, he had turned down the Cleveland trade and had hoped to be in Texas and close to his home in Louisiana. That he also hoped that this would be the place where he would sign a long term contract right. that was much closer to market value. And when the Rangers mm-hmm. in spring training decided they were going to pursue a deal with Odor 
and then and actually tr- and sign Chirinos to that. But it's a very small, basically a one-year extension. Yeah, but what does that do change. mentally for a guy that didn't want to go sign in Cleveland because they thought they had right. a catcher locked up? And but was it, play I, I mean, the that. Rangers at that point were signing Chirinos to just be a nice sure. backup and sure. a reward for being a, 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 a guy who has become something of a leader in the clubhouse. And thank goodness they did. But it didn't play well with Luke Roy. He didn't respond well. I don't think he got lazy in any way, but I do think he regressed behind the plate. And I do think that in some regards, uh, we talked about framing and his framing ability. And he was on the on the front edge of that kind of framing yeah. um, uh, wave of statistical analysis. And I'm not so sure now that framing is is as accurate or as, as as dramatic as it once was because I think umpires are now paying more attention. It was a hot to it. topic on fan graphs in 2014. Yeah. Now yeah. it's just sort of old news. Correct. Yeah, but he, his problem wasn't just that. He had a problem catching the ball. Correct. Block, he, blocking he, pitches, yeah. catching I, the ball. I mean, he, he I just, just looked like he had lost it. And I don't know if I did I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. I know you and I Kevin have talked about it, but it would not surprise me if I hear that Jonathan Lucroy this offseason has some kind of eye surgery, whether it's a LASIK procedure or something like that. Could be. Um, because it's clear that he wasn't seeing the ball either offensively or defensively nearly as well as he had previously in his career. So. Yeah. I think also that you, you got to consider he's a small catcher. and, well, and He is and tiny. He, and, and to get it at this stage of his career, I think it's certainly possible he's just starting to break down uh, a lot of wear. Entirely possible. That's entirely possible. And you too. couple that with Jeffress doing nothing here well, this year that makes that trade look so so much well worse. And, that, and that's part of the, the yes and the, absolutely and that's one of the things i was talking about you, the, over the over the two-year period how the decisions that have been made over these last two years uh, have long-term effects and some of these things did not work you know that listen i i admire a, a gm that's going to take chances you know, you, you know, if you're if you don't if you're a farm system and just pumping out guys, if you're if you don't have that that great team, you you need to take chances, and and so I admire that. But boy, the the track record lately hasn't been very good. Well, the Jeffress the Jeffress aspect of that deal, especially if that forced you to include, say Ortiz in that deal. Yeah. You know, if it, if you were going to have to give up Brinson to to get a to get a guy like Luke Roy at that point. But if it forced you to give up, the Rangers ended up giving up three players in that deal. Ryan Cordell. Ryan Cordell was the third. I don't know what the actual cost by including Jeffress, but they were trying to add some depth to the bullpen at that point. But you now look at this team, and it, again, you go into 2018, and you're either saying, we're going to go with Delano DeShields, who came a long way in center field this year, but he's always going to have some degree of weakness in center field, particularly with the arm. Or you're going to go re-sign Carlos Gomez for eleven or twelve million dollars at the age of thirty-two? I'll pass. I'll pass. You on know, that. and so you don't have Lewis Brinson as an option, and you don't. You you're looking at three starters for your rotation right now. I mean, you have a two-man rotation with two guys who, over their last thirty-two starts each, have ERAs well above four. Before we get into the winter and the starting pitching market, I, I do want to talk about that. But you don't have Ortiz, you don't have Ortiz right. as a as a yeah, there's no kids bumping up, but no. what you do have is a $20 million Cole Hamels who 
It, that that Cole Hamels doesn't live here anymore. The one that used to log 200 innings and 200 strikeouts. He's going to probably turn into a different pitcher as he gets into his mid to late 30s. And I think a left-hander can do that. There's been a number of them that have done that throughout history. I think he'll be fine. I don't know if he'll be worth his money. Then you have Martin Perez coming back. Those are your only two starting pitchers coming back. And, and it was good to see Perez late in the year really sort of find a foothold with whatever mental or mechanical adjustment he made. But man... It's uh, it, you're gonna have to spend some money because I think we all put our our eggs in the Otani basket. But really, what's what's the realistic chances of them getting Otani? Thirty percent high side, high side, thirty percent probably high. I, yeah. I think, I think that on Twitter I've been asked this a number of times. What chance do you give them of getting Otani? And I think that they are a favorite. I think they're one of four or five favorites. But I don't give anybody in that group any more than a fifteen to eighteen percent chance of of, of landing him. I think the Rangers' case here comes down to this because there are so many restrictions on the negotiating with Otani. Uh, there's going to be a very limited difference between what the bonus can be based on what teams have available. There's really no difference in what teams can offer him in terms of a contract out of the chute, none whatsoever. And that changes after one year correct? Like, uh, like he has to play for that dollar amount one year, then they can like, extend him. I, I, yes, I, I think there is, but there's also, I, I've had sources tell me that MLB is going to be very, very cognizant of not letting any extension be out of line with these extensions that, that guys have signed with a year or less than a year of service. Mm. So hang on here that, you know, you your bet, if you're the Rangers, is that Otani wants to come here. Well, why would he want to come here? You've built a relationship with him in Japan. You've built a relationship with, with, with Darvish. You, you, you've established yourself as a presence in Japan and the recruiting process that they put him under. But if you're Otani, you look at the Rangers and you say, okay, I look at if I still think he's going to end up with an American League club because he will DH more often and, and pitch. And you look at you look at the other clubs, and you say, "Okay, I have a chance to go to the potentially the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Indians, the Astros. Those are four teams that they're not going anywhere. You know, those teams are all going to be contenders for a while. And so, if you go to the Rangers, do you think you make the difference there? Maybe, but if you think that you want to join a team that's going to contend with more of a guarantee." I think you're looking at those other four clubs. They're the least attractive so, of those young yeah. young cores. Yeah. Texas is, but they do have Texas Live coming in next year. Ooh, wow. There you go. Well, that'll make but a difference. To me, to me, it's, it's you, you've made a case why he uh-huh. won't sign with the Rangers. I think that's a I think that's a real consideration. I think the Rangers certainly have to understand that too. Let's act like he doesn't. Who are they going to target? And you, you're reading the name Jake Arrieta because if you look at the list. He's the one, I guess, that makes the most sense as far as talent goes. But at, th- what, 31, 32 now? He's going to demand and four or five years. There's been something of a regression in his yeah. numbers. Oh, no yeah. question um, about it. And a hamstring he's dealing with right now heading into the playoffs with Chicago. Yeah, I, I, it would not surprise me, again, if the Rangers make an honest effort at Otani. If they don't land him, it would not surprise me if they go full-fledged and say, okay, we're going to deal Beltre and, and – get something of value for him in the long term, and embark on what amounts to basically at least a one-year full rebuild until the market becomes much more attractive. Is there anything wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. I think the only problem with that is that what are you no. going to get for Beltre? I think, I think you even one year, 
on his contract. And eighteen million bucks, some team is taking on eighteen million dollars, and the fact that he played only ninety games this year. I think even with that, this guy demonstrates over and over how much he means to a club. And I think you may not get – you're not going to get a Mark Teixeira deal. You're not even going to get what <sighs> no. Milwaukee got for Luke Roy and Jefferson. No. But you can get a legitimate pitching prospect that will help you um, continue that that turn towards – See, yeah, I wonder when, when when you say prospect, you're not talking about a potential ace, though, are you? You're talking about oh, I think you can get a guy with high upside, but I don't think, but, you but know, you're not talking young. about you, you're not getting anybody's first pitching prospect from Beltre. Uh, it depends on the club. Yeah. Depends on in, it just in, depends on. See, that's why I think you have what to. Club it, is. it has to be an emotional trade, and so that's to me it means it has to be a deadline deal. I mean, well, I, I, I just think that it, over the winter. Teams are not going to be able to evaluate, you know, where are we now? Where are we going to be doing? What's what's going to be the difference for us? Let's say the Dodgers don't win this year. Yeah. If the Dodgers were willing to give up Walker Buehler at that point in time, isn't that something that you'd have to If they're not going to do it at the deadline for you, I can't imagine them doing it in the winter for, for Beltre. I can't either. If they go another year without the World Series, and this is the this is the one piece that they feel like they need to finally put them over see, the that's top. See, you don't know that. And that's why I mean, you go into the <laughs> you know? season just to see. You go into the next season and you see – because you want to see that if Adrian's going to play, right? You want to see – you want to get him – let's say he's, you know, he's healthy, he's played, you know, 70 games at the All-Star break next year. And he's hitting 280 and got some pop and and he's you know and, and he has a, you know he's still got some defense then then yeah I see a team saying okay let's go that may be let's the case but I, I I if they wouldn't if they wouldn't give up Beeler for Darvish at the break this year I don't see them giving up Beeler for Beltre at the age of 39 for for two With months soft tissue year. issues that cost well, them somebody like 60 might. some games somebody yeah. somebody might give up something legitimate yes and, and and i think that you weigh what the potential if if you go in this direction you weigh what the potential offers are this winter and see but you have to be honest with yourself too you have to be honest and say do we think we can do better than this at the deadline don't hope that you can do better See, than that's, that at the I, i'm more likely to do that because because we saw this year of what you're more wild. likely to hope well, because of what happened in the wild card this year, and and because of what we just talked about with the bullpen, and if the mm-hmm. bullpen had just been decent in the first half, you'd had something to do. To me, I don't see. I, I'm all for a rebuild if you're making a trade like the Teixeira trade, and you're and you're trading a good player who's not going to help you now. You know you're going nowhere. Trading. Let's let's move on. And not even. I'm not even talking about the, the the comeback in that deal. I'm talking about the fact that you're going nowhere, and this guy's not going to be part of it. I think that this team. I, I'm still in an area, uh, an area of feeling like that this team has some some real positives for it. It has they some do. good young players, and it doesn't need to bottom out here. Uh, if you could bottom out and and make a trade that was really going to help you, I would do that. But see, Beltre's not going to bring back that much. The this only, this the team only, is too young to strip it down. That, that's that's yeah, the problem. Is that, they're too young to do a full and there, there would that's be real value. To, it, it, listen, there would be real value to having Adrian Beltre here for the first half of the year, regardless of of, of of anything. And I'm not endorsing them trading Beltre this winter. I just think it's something that they have to at least consider. Um, well, sure, you should consider anything. But let's face these facts. If you don't go out and sign or acquire three starting pitchers, and really you need more because you need some guys that are going to be like half-year options or guys who you can have as depth because you don't have depth in the minor leagues. Is, is Cashner coming back? Real quick, uh, l- let's figure out the rotation. i got the okay. whole free agent list here. Well, let's, let's, let's start with Cashner. Okay, let's here, start with Cashner with 
what? How many innings did he log this year? A hundred and. 70, I think. The mid three ERA and his ground ball rate was decent. His walk rate was, you know, outside of a few starts, kept in control compared to what he's been the last few years. Okay. He, he exceeded everybody's expectations. You know, here's, here's the deal on Andrew Cashner. Let me just say this real quick about what I like about him. You know, when you watch him pitch and and and, and listen, this might have been a smoke and mirrors thing. I think what was he hit? The, the hitters were hitting two sixty eight on ground balls uh, against him this year. Weak so, contact though. Yeah, weak contact. Well, what I like about him was that he just he's his his tempo is so great. <laughs> he's attacking hitters. He's getting the ball back, throwing throwing the ball. He's and, very 09 Kevin Millwood. That's yeah. what he reminded me. Boy, of. I hate guy to bring that goes, Kevin sure, but if you look back, th- those yeah, those two yeah. seasons very comparable well, numerically. They are. I'll give you a be- I'll give you what to me is a better count. Okay, 09 Scott Feldman. Sure. And here's the problem there. Yeah, because but, he just had that one. Because like Scott Feldman, he was a less than not less than five innings, less than five strikeouts per nine innings guy. Yeah. You go back and look at the history of guys who are less than five inning strikeout guys, and they do not, by and large, repeat the success. Yeah. The one guy who did especially long term, if you're looking at a long term deal, one guy who did have a season like that. Was Kenny Rogers in 05 here, which is more memorable for most people because that was the year that Kenny had a tussle with Larry Rodriguez. Oh, poor Larry. But he then went to Detroit because the Rangers weren't going to bring him back and pitch them into the World Series. But it wasn't long term. That was pretty much kind of the. Also a left hander. The last. Yes, also a left hander. And you got a dude in your rotation that you're bringing back at a sweet deal in Perez who is a low strikeout game. And I, I do want to yeah. say this about... You need about, people that miss bats. I do want to yeah. say this about Perez. I think that, you know, we talked about Elvis and the maturation of Elvis and that coming at the about the age of 27. And it came really when he started making adjustments in the second half in 15. I think you could make, if you want to be broad here, you can talk about that Perez made some adjustments in the second half. He's going to be 27. He is in the middle of that contract. This may be... While I've I've said that he and Cole both have ERAs of over four six over their last thirty two starts, I do think you can make the case that while the needle on Cole is going down, the needle on Perez may be going up. So, um, my deal on Cashner here is I definitely offer him the qualifying offer of about eighteen million dollars. I don't think he would take that. Oh, wow. If he does take it, he'd be stupid to not take that. <laughs> Me too. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't believe he would. Like I'd well, be comfortable I, I, if he got like two for twenty, and if he turns down eighteen, then he think, needs to fire his agent. I uh, think. Well, he's I, he's in the process of hiring a new agent. Okay. Um, but I think that he's pitched himself into a three year, about fifty million dollar deal from somewhere. Boy. And if if he takes, I, I think his value just as a as a guy who pitched 166 innings this year and made every start after that that two week thing to start the season, those guys are 14, 15 million dollar pitchers this year. That, that, yeah, that's just what they are. You don't have many 200 inning pitchers. And anymore if you in overpay general, Kevin, no. if you overpay Andrew Kashner for by three or four million dollars for one year, it's a hell of a lot better deal than overpaying him by 12 or 15 million dollars over four years. So. I'd make that offer if he does find a deal. If Houston or somebody else gives him a multi-year deal that's that's more attractive, you get some kind of compensation. Let's go rapid fire here. One of the names is Miguel Gonzalez, who they traded for. Do you see him back as sort of an organizational depth type guy at thirty? I'd bring him back on a minimal deal. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'd be interested in bringing him back on a minimal deal. It depends on what he feels his market is. Free agents without options or buyouts. I'm listing here. Jason Vargas had a big win total this year, but he's 35 years old. Yep. Uh, probably not all that interested. Christine. Now, uh, let me. The, the caveat on all this is on just about any one of these guys, if they're willing to take a one year deal, sure. 
Boom. Yeah, to me, that's always the deal on a contract. I, I give you almost anything you want for one year. Yeah. Chris yeah. Tillman at age 30. No. Okay. Masahiro Tanaka, he can't opt out of the final three years at $67 million. I don't know if his numbers are good enough to do that. I don't know if he wants to do that. I think the Yankees and what they do in October will factor into that. I shouldn't I shouldn't put the guys with uh, with options in this uh, conversation. Hector Santiago at 30. I'd have some interest in Hector Santiago. Michael Pineda at 29. He's coming off injuries. Again, this is a guy that I'd be interested in on a on a very low base uh, with with some significant incentives. This is a guy I might give three years to. Lance Lynn at age thirty one. Had a really good year for the Cardinals. I'd have some interest in that. I'd, I'm always I'd worried some, about National League guys. Have sure, some concern sure. about going from the American League to the National League. I do like the fact you know Pineda's never had a two hundred inning season. Uh, he's always been a real high upside guy. Well, he's never stuff reached is so that. Good. Um, he is coming off an injury, but that might be a guy that I would target kind of in that like Tyson Ross type mm-hmm. type deal with a low base and build in. Who's available, centers. by the way? And I'm not bringing him back. This, okay. guy, this guy did him no favors this year with Philadelphia, Jeremy Hellickson. He could have really cashed in if he was good, but he wasn't. I'm not bringing in a uh, change-up guy. Okay. I, always, I always liked Hellickson, though. Yeah. But he never quite, he just never no. quite reached where I he think you're. Been. I think, you know why? Because I think you're thinking you see Hellickson and you think Helling. Is that what it is? I'm thinking yeah. of Rick Helling? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Matt Garza, named from the past at 34. Would rather scratch my eyes out. Okay. Oh, my oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, my gosh. What, what did he ever do to you? To know. I don't know why people don't bun on him <laughs> 20 times a Every game. Every game, exactly. He's a little bit crazy. Uh, unstable. He's, yeah. And he's not that good anymore. Jaime Garcia, who got traded a couple times this year at 31. It would be another left-hander in the rotation. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about Jaime Garcia. I think I'd have I'd, I'd at least be willing to invest. You know, I'm I'm saying this. I'd be willing to investigate any of these guys, probably with the exception of Garza. Scott Feldman at 35. I, I don't think so. No. Oh. Maybe back in on a one year deal. I you could maybe talk me into that. Um, you Darvish, we've talked about ad nauseum. Uh, I would love for them to make a competitive offer, but again, I don't where's think he going to end up? Wouldn't surprise me to see him stick in LA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Alex Cobb at 30. That's the guy that I might go, okay, let's pony up here and try to have a piece for not just next year but a couple years down the road. He's a guy I'd have some, I'd have some legitimate interest in. Um, you know, this is the first year back after an injury, after a significant injury. Pitched very well. Mm-hmm. I, I think also this is a guy who, you know, may end up being very attractive to a lot of guys, a lot of teams that are going to bet on the upside there. We've got a Tyler Chatwood at age 28. Doesn't do much for him. Yeah, Ulysse Chassin, who you could have had in the past in a trade with Atlanta, I believe. There was some talk about maybe them going after Profar, but uh, he's uh, 30 years old and free. Yeah, but the name is too difficult for me to spell. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Very uh, fair. The J, I, I mean, oh, I, I had enough of a hard time with Austin Bibbins Dirks this year yeah. with the K and the X. The J-H combo, very difficult Yeah, that's for not me. good. Uh, you got the Trevor Dactyl, Trevor Cahill at 30. No Trevor. He's more of a uh, bullpen hand now, I think. Uh, and... Jake Arrieta, 32 years old. Jake. Here, okay, you He's want, your top free agent, I think, that's uh, not named Otani. You want my one crazy trade idea? Yeah, let's have it. All right, here's my one crazy trade idea. And, and it may have to be built out around this, okay? But the Rangers have a contract they'd love to get rid of. Sinchuchu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's had some success with some other clubs in the past, notably the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. Okay. Cincinnati Reds have a contract they'd love to get rid of. Homer Bailey. I'd love that trade. 
I don't think you can make that trade straight up. Although if you did and you ate some money, so you're going to eat what? You know, I, I think you'd have probably? to eat about fifteen million to make it to make the money wash. But I'm talking per year, about four or five. Uh, well, there's there's a there's a difference of like because he's got three years past. Bailey's got two years left. Chu has three, but Bailey's got a five million dollar. I'd make that deal for three. Homer Simpson. Um, but yeah, the other so, part yeah. of this is now now here's the deal. I think to make this deal work, you've got to give the Reds something of real value. (laughs) (laughs) Other than Jew. And I think then you have to start talking about building it out a little bit. Why would you do this if you're Cincinnati? Yeah. There's no reason for DH. Cincinnati Cincinnati needs a shortstop. He's going to play shortstop? Oh. Jew's going to play shortstop? Profar is going. Cincinnati needs a shortstop in Profar. Okay, yeah, that, that, I'd, I'd do that. Now, do you do Profar and Chew for for Bailey? Oh my God! Well, you might. Do, well, to me at this point, if you, you get well. out of the Chew contract, you, it's worth getting rid of a Profar yes. who might be something. Yeah, well, I think do, so. Do I you then, do you go to Cincinnati and say, "Look, we'll give you Chew, Profar, and Willie Calhoun for Bailey and Rysel Iglesias"? No, the reliever. No, yeah, I, 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 I think the backlash. I think the backlash of getting rid of Calhoun after trading you Darvish. I think that would expedite. I don't think John Daniels is going anywhere, but that would do nothing but that would ravel, you know, fire up the base that hates JD. And I, all of these are just off the top of the head sure. conversations, but I do think that Cincinnati, when I was up in Oklahoma City looking at Calhoun and writing a story on him, Cincinnati had scouts watching Profar. Um, so I think the I think the Reds will have have some interest in a conversation. They could certainly use a shortstop. I think that there is at least enough uh, fodder there. My God, Barry is with the – oh, man, we've gone long. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But I think there's at least enough fodder there to have a conversation. Yeah. So I think that's where we'll go. Sean, I guess you want to wrap like this that. up. Here. Yeah, we should because, look, there's going to be plenty of times to talk about what happens this winter. We the do, old hot stove league. We do have It'll a be the best fantastic part of the season this postseason year. ahead because tell me the team that's really the favorite right now – I guess you could say Cleveland in the American League because of what they've done, but it feels wide open this year. I think, October's going to be awesome. I think yeah. a potential I think a potential Cleveland Houston AL uh, championship series could be really spectacular. Um, I picked early in the year. My preseason prediction was Boston and Los Angeles, and I feel like when you make a prediction until you're eliminated, sorry Tim, that you have to stick with what your prediction was. But so I'm going to go with the, the Dodgers Red Sox. But outside of Minnesota and Colorado, there's a case to be made for all these clubs. That's true. And, sure. you know, you can say what you will about the mediocrity in the wild card race this year and some of the uh, lack of interest in the divisional races. It's setting up for an awesome October. I'm, I'm stoked. All right, Barry needs you to wrap up because I think he's got to go urinate again. <laughs> <laughs> We're not recording this at 4 a.m., are we? <laughs> all right. Thanks to everybody listening to this one. Download it, save it, tell your friends. We've ha- enjoyed talking Ranger baseball. We also talked to Bob Sturm this week with your Dallas Cowboys heading into a Week 5 matchup against the Packers. And we also talk about college football. Is, uh, TCU is in the top 10. So thanks to everybody. For Kevin, for Barry, and Evan, I'm Sean. Thanks to Doug for making us sound good, too. This has been the Ballsy Podcast. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.